invite you to go ahead and have a seat if you would. And if you've never been with us before on one of our Thanksgiving Eve services, one of the reason that we're here, what we do on Thanksgiving Eve is we give an opportunity to some people who are a part of the community here at Mount Hope to come and share their stories and to talk about how what we just sang is true, that our God is faithful and we don't walk alone. Some of you, many of you were probably with us when we opened up our Family Life Center about a month ago now, and we were over there, and before we went over there, uh, during that week, Pastor Rick came to me and he said, I have an idea. And I said, okay. He said, what do you think about auctioning off the first basket? And I said, maybe, I don't know if it'll work or not. He said, I think it'll work, and I'll tell you what we do. We auction it off and we give the money to Sylvia's Haven. And Sylvia Anthony goes to this church. She runs a home uh, for single women and children in Revere. And so we decided to auction it off. We thought maybe it would be auctioned off for a hundred bucks, hundred fifty dollars. We a thousand dollars later, the shot was auctioned off, and Cameron Tomaselli got to take that first shot. And what I think will be the greatest moment in Family Life Center history, he hit that basket, and that was a great moment. We peaked early. That was a lot of pressure, 300 people. I don't think I would ever make that shot. But Cameron's parents, uh, Nick and Liz Tomaselli, have been a part of this church for a number of years, and we've invited them to come and share their story with us tonight. So would you invite Nick and Liz Tomaselli as they come to share? Well, thank you so much. Nick and Liz for being willing to come and to share your story. Um, let's start out. Can you tell us, tell us how it is that you came to Mount Hope and ultimately, you know, how it is that, that Jesus became uh, real in your life. Tell us a little bit about that journey. You want it first. That goes against all our planning, but that's all right. Go ahead and start. That's great. Nine years ago, um, my son was about three years old. And I was at work one day, and I worried a lot as a mom. You know, I worried about who was going to take care of Cameron if I worked, if I continued to work. Um, you know, how are we going to do things? I was always worried. I, I had God in my life. I just didn't understand the worry part, that the worry part was up to him, not up to me. So it took a while to learn that lesson. But a client told me about Mount Hope Christian School, and that, I could take Cameron here. The school was really flexible. It was a great school, and it was something I should check out. So I came to the school one day, made an appointment, and I checked it out, and I said, I don't know if I like it. But I didn't want to let my son go. He was three. He was my baby. That's why she didn't like it. So that's why I didn't like it. But I did. I enrolled him part-time, and uh, I watched my son flourish. He was a very shy little boy extremely shy, and Mrs. Manasian and Mrs. Stanley really helped Cameron uh, come to life, along with the Lord, of course. And Cameron started learning about Jesus, and he learned about the Bible, and he was reading Bible stories, and it was amazing. So we bought ourselves a little Bible story book, and we read it every night. The thing started falling apart. We read it so often, and he just had a thirst for the Lord, and it was amazing to see that. And so the next year came, um, it was kindergarten time, and I enrolled him. I just kept following the steps. The Lord kept talking to me, and he kept getting louder and louder. The more I ignored him, the louder he got. Um, and, and I'm just so glad that we did. Cameron graduated from Mount Hope Christian School. Um, he stayed the whole seven years, and he's now at Abundant Life Christian School, and he's doing awesome. He's an A and B student. And, I don't know about you, but I don't expect much from boys. I did, you know? I mean, they play a lot. They do some crazy stuff, and, you know, they never stop. They never sit still. So it's amazing to me that they even learn anything. But, I mean, he's doing good. So I fell in love with Mount Hope teachers. I fell in love with Mrs. Driscoll. Mrs. Driscoll ended up being a very good friend of mine. She has been a confidant. She is... She has helped me with my journey. 
Um, I know we don't go alone in this world. We always have someone there, and Mrs. Driscoll happened to be that someone for me. Along with the teachers, Karen Sullivan has been instrumental in, in my life. So my story's a little bit different from his, but sorry. Um, so what ended up happening is I fell in love with all the teachers, and I said, what can I do for these teachers? They're so awesome. They love my son as much as I do. They love God. They love the Lord. They love Jesus. And, you know, they get paid very little for what they do. What can I do? So I would do Teachers Week for them every year, and I kept doing it. I hated doing it, but I kept doing it. <laughs> you know, I don't know why I kept doing it. I kept hearing the Lord say, do it, do it, do it. And the teachers were just so awesome. It was just something to do. Sorry, I'm telling the truth. I mean, and God is making these lips flap, so I apologize. <laughs> It's a short story on how we came to yeah. Mount Hope. So. so that's how we came to Mount Hope. And then I started going to church because I said, wow, these people, they've got it on. I need to get it on too. So I came to church all by myself. Well, not really. I had my son with me. But then you guys dismissed the kids. I was sitting here alone. I was like, ah, you've got to be kidding. So I sat there like this, thinking everyone was looking at me. But no one was, of course. No one even knew I was there. And... I ended up falling in love with this church. It was so awesome. And Cameron and I would go home and, you know, that's your story. So I'm going to stop now. <laughs> oh, it's my turn? Sorry. No, it's good. I regressed. It's good. No, you did great, baby. Uh, those Sundays that once Cameron and Elizabeth uh, came were, were, were spent, you know, for me, waking up at 11 o'clock. Um, Saturdays were, were, were fun. I wasn't an ideal husband. Um, no, 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 no. I wasn't the worst. I could have been much, much worse. Uh, but certainly wasn't ideal. Um, not, uh, not an ideal father either uh, for a good portion of my life, uh, or Cameron's life, I should say. Um, but there was uh, a, a moment where... Um, where I realized that, that, that I did believe in Jesus Christ. Um, I denied it for many, many years, um, and it was based mainly on my mother's experience with, with, uh, with Christ and, and perhaps some moments where uh, there were less than honest people who uh, were supposedly caring for my mother and supposedly leading her in a direction, and that pushed me in a direction myself where I completely denied uh, Christ and I denied our Lord uh, and for years I, I lived my life that way uh, and oftentimes used that as a uh, as a, uh, a basis for you know doing whatever I wanted um, coming and going as I pleased uh, uh, gambling um, well again what I, whatever I wanted to do uh, I felt comfortable doing because there was no consequences to it um, however the whole time understanding that um, within my heart that yes Jesus was there Jesus did die on the cross mm -hmm. for us mm -hmm. and it took one Sunday coming to church with Elizabeth and Cameron and seeing Pastor Brian Pastor Rick all the people that are here the faith the positive feelings that I had the moment that I walked in this place um, to just completely change my 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 entire denial uh, and was able to again embrace the fact that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and I love Him. That's great. That's good. So tell us, how has God changed? Uh, it's been a few years now since you've been coming uh, to church, and when you've had that moment where you've um, acknowledged Christ in your life. So, how has life changed? How has marriage changed? How has parenthood changed? Uh, as Jesus has taken control of, of your family. Sorry. I'll do a little bit and then you can do it. Do a sunny and Yeah, okay. We do things together now as a family. Um, it's solidified our relationship with Cameron. It's good for Cameron to see my husband involved, you know, with us in school functions, in church functions. We're a part of the community groups, which are awesome, too. Um, those have been a part of our growth, uh, growth as well. Those have taken us to the next level. And we have a lot of levels to go. We're at the very beginning of our journey. But 
Um, it's been an amazing one, and I'll let you take over. Uh, you know, you mentioned the, the community groups. Uh, as far as how Christ has changed our life, um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm still not perfect, and I'm, I'm certain I'm never going to be. Uh, I continue to make mistakes. Um, however, what's, what's, what's really funny about it is when I do make these mistakes and knowingly make these mistakes, he speaks to me so vehemently. Um, kept me up one Sunday night until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning as I'm formulating a story in my mind of how I'm going to tell my wife what I had just done. Um, it was, it was a, you know, it was a, I love football, I love sports, uh, and I have a lot of friends that continue to gamble. Um, and I had, uh, uh, after many years of not, um, decided that it was okay. Uh, lost every game. Lost every game in very brutal fashion, and I knew specifically that that was my Lord speaking to me, telling me that, Nick, you're not going back down this road again. You're not going to do it. Um, and the entire evening as I'm sitting there in bed formulating the story in my mind, he's telling me, no, that's not what's going to happen. You're going to tell Elizabeth. You're going to be honest, and you're going to be forthright with her. And uh, at the point where I decided that I was going to do that, it's when I fell asleep and had a great night's sleep from that point on and woke up the next morning and said, Honey, we got to talk. And she says, I knew it. I knew there was something based on the way you were acting last night. What's going on? Tell me now. So I proceeded to tell her. And uh, quite frankly, that is one of the things that I realized about our marriage and how we've really grown through Christ uh, from really just the perspective of, of honesty and trusting one another. Um, and her reaction when I told her was absolutely beautiful. Um, she just gave me a hug. We prayed, and it was over. And I, I, I just I love her so much. I, I just it, it's it's a wonderful. Oh, you too. Um, but it, it's it's good that I can feel that way. And knowing that my Lord forgives me as well for, you know, the transgressions or the 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 slipbacks or the fallbacks that I may have through my life. Um, that He is going to forgive me. That He died on the cross for my sins, and that that is. Uh, uh, the most beautiful gift that we could have ever received. That's good. Let me just ask you as we, as we wrap up here, what are you most thankful for to God as you look at this year and all he's done and what's coming ahead in your family? What are you most thankful for from God this year? From God this year, um, God every day, uh, we're thankful for each other. We're thankful for Mount Hope. Uh, we're thankful for the friends that we've uh, made here at Mount Hope. Um, the people that we associate ourselves with now are very like-minded as we are, are after the same thing. They struggle with the same things. We're able to talk. We're able to communicate. Uh, whereas a lot of what we had in the past was sheltered within our little family. And uh, now we're able to share these things with other people who care about us, who love us, who love Jesus. And uh, that is that is one of the one of the things that we're most grateful for this year because that has been a new development in our life. Um, the community groups, if, you know, there are folks here that aren't a part of the community groups that Mount Hope has put together, I strongly suggest that you do find a group, join a group. Uh, we just finished the John Ortberg series about this man, who is this man, Jesus. Um, the very deepest conversation I've ever had with people outside of my wife occurred in the last session. Um, you know, it, it was just, it, it was wonderful that we were able to share, you know, our hopes, our fears, our love for Jesus with one another. Um, and one of the things that we're hoping uh, and praying on now, um, that, that we've been talking to another friend outside the church, um, is uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, that is something that, that is new to us um, and uh, something that we're working on and hoping that perhaps over the course of the next year, uh, you know, that that's something we'll be thankful for for next year as well. That's great. So. Well, Nick and Liz and Cameron, we love you guys. We're so glad you're a part of this church. Thanks for sharing. Good job. Well, some of you know uh, our, our next person who's going to share their story. Sheila David has been a part of this church for the last uh, couple of years, but what you may not know about Sheila is that over the past few years, God has really brought her through some difficult loss 
in some tough situations uh, where she's lost some folks who are very close to her. And so she's coming to share tonight about God's goodness in the midst of loss and how she's thankful to him for leading her through those situations. So will you invite Sheila as she comes to share tonight? My husband, Jay, passed away on the 1st of January, 2012. And my mother passed away a month and a half ago after being hospitalized briefly. Um, when we started coming to Mount Hope, uh, Jay was receiving dialysis three days a week, uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, some friends of ours would give him a ride to the dialysis center, and I would always bring him back after work. So we started with the Sunday services here and we soon started coming to the midweek service on Wednesdays. And as tired as Jay was on Wednesdays, he always uh, told me he felt very refreshed heading back home. He had several appointments to keep at Leahy and in addition to his regular lab work, he, um, to be active on the kidney transplant list. He needed more lab work, more doctor's visits, and um, his meters nephrologist, his personal care physician, the vascular surgeon, to make sure his um, uh, dialysis you know, access points were uh, not compromised in any way with the frequent use of needles. And um, I was able to take time off whenever he needed it. And I thank God for great, um, his favor at work. Uh, one day we were talking about a possible trip to India, end of 2011, and uh, he was all excited. And as we got talking, he said, you know, I get feel so tired with these long flights and layovers. Why don't you go ahead and visit your mom? She's in her 90s. I can stay back. So I said, okay, maybe I'll take a short trip and uh, head, uh, you know, go over and come back. So he said, go ahead and book your ticket. And uh, so I did it in, uh, in August. Uh, it was sometime in November when he suddenly said, you know, I changed my mind. I'd like to come. I said, that's good. I said, that'll be really nice. So um, I immediately called his nephrologist and I told him, you know, Jay is wanting to come to India. Is it okay for him to travel? And he was very supportive of it. And uh, he told me, you know, let me check on his shots to make sure he's current on everything, but make sure he takes his flu shot. And um, so I next um, called a travel agent and made sure we got tickets to fly together. <clears throat> Soon we were off to India, the flight was good, and we arrived at our home, in, um, uh, which sits on like a quarter-acre plot on a hundred-acre farm. My grandmother and her 11 siblings all had eight acres, and with the remaining four, they built a huge church, a nice playground, and a huge community center, so we could have an annual family get-together. And we always enjoyed going there because we could meet a lot of people from India, and from the neighboring, um, you know, they'd come from Australia, New Zealand, or wherever, uh, you know, they had the time off, they would come. So it was nice. So when Jay was there, he particularly liked taking his early morning walks. It's a very quiet farm road, and it's in the morning, it's nice and misty, and in the night, the skies are beautiful because you can really see the stars. It looks like it's full of stars. It's very star-studded night. And um, he was taking his, he takes his walk on his way back. We'll meet an aunt or an uncle, have a cup of coffee, and head home. <clears throat> Christmas went by, and over there we don't uh, exchange gifts. We just, it's more like Thanksgiving here. We just meet uh, around the table, have plenty of food, and um, fellowship with family. So... And then since Christmas fell on a Sunday, the family get-together was held the Monday and the Tuesday of the year, and about 200 people attended it. So for New Year's Eve, 
um, we were invited to a friend's place in the city and um, you know they were bringing in the new year that means they were going to party on till 12 past 12 whatever we wanted to just meet the friends and we decided to go to church uh, over there the church's uh, service is late in the night about 10:30 or so and uh, what we do is we have uh, two sermons one before midnight and one after midnight followed by a communion service so when we um, start the new year we are all in church and that particular time it's very um, common to see non christians come and attend the church and um, it's a good um, good thing to see that so the service was over we had a light breakfast had coffee met with the people who were around there and then we took our uh, ride back home and jay was talking a lot that uh, evening on our way back and uh, usually it's me who does all the talking so <laughs> and uh, then finally we got home and we wished my mom and my siblings who were who went to the local um, church on the farm and um, went to bed the next morning um jay woke up he's an early riser so he woke up and he went away on his by himself for a walk he said oh you're sleeping you know he didn't want to wake me up i think he just went and on his way back home about 50 feet from our house he suffered a massive heart attack and died uh, my brother was the first to know and uh, when he told me i couldn't believe it and the sudden death really shocked me and made me numb and um, you know how it is after a death you know everybody is busy getting the funeral service together the burial service together and so we were all huddling together and um, my siblings were doing most of the work all i had to do was like scan through it and say okay this is fine or this is fine or this is okay or whatever jay's brother happened to be there uh, visiting from california jay's two sisters said they would fly down from virginia and um so we had the service after they all arrived at work they asked me to stay as long as i needed to and just let them know when i was coming so again i thank god for favor at work i called my travel agent and he was able to get a ticket 10 days pushed out and that was enough time for me to stay on and then head back home coming back home was hard because this is our real home so when i entered the house it was so empty it was dark and the next morning was harder because usually when i come downstairs for my cup of coffee jay is already having a second cup of coffee reading his bible at the dining table and there's no jay in sight during all this time i was not angry with god or questioning anything i was just hard on myself i was beginning to question should i have gone to india should i have just stayed back would he have been alive if i didn't go and you know i kept on and on even though on one hand i knew that what the word says about death i was miserable and nothing made sense and when i was driving back from work on monday wednesdays and fridays it was very hard for me because i would almost think oh i have to go pick up jay but you know he's not quite there and you know and then suddenly all these things would spring up within me and then i my chest was tightened up and it was a very uncomfortable feeling on the highway so the first time this happened i said oh my goodness what is this and i went straight to the doctor's office thank god it no obama care then <laughs> so I went straight and she was able to see me she spent a few minutes with me and she said you know this is something people go through when they have a loss you all your vitals are good she checked did an ekg and everything she said do you know very often they say oh when the husband dies next day the wife dies and you know it's it's all because you know they all get all worked up and it's very difficult so i said okay i said i believe in a god but and i'm not thinking and making it so difficult for me but why is it doing it she said no no the body reacts to trauma like that she said i could give you some kind of a medication and i said i wasn't interested so she said okay and i left the place then i had the same thing happen to me a couple more times and then i 
this was too much. And it'll all happen as I'm coming off 95, because instead of going to, by Cambridge Street to the Leahy Clinic, I'd have to get off one exit before Wynn Street. And uh, whenever J.A. came to mind, the enemy was trying to keep me in a place where I was blaming myself, when I should not be. And because our times are in his hand, you know, we have no control. And um, he knows when it is time for us to go. Uh, so from then on, whenever I thought about Jay, I would say, oh, thank you, Lord, for him. Thank you, Lord, for Jay. Thank you, Lord, for all the time we spent together. And, you know, we used to enjoy these long drives. I said, thank you for, you know, letting us take trips like this. You know, we went to Nova Scotia. I remember we were on that Cabot Trail, and it's one of the best loop drives, I think, in North America. We had such a good time, and all those thoughts came to me, the scenery, the beauty, and, and that distracted me quite a lot. And then once I started thanking the Lord, I felt, began to feel comfort and peace. And uh, things were going very well. And the end of December 2012, I was getting ready to go to India again because my mom, you know, I go see her every year because she's get, getting on in years. And I sit down to pack and I couldn't move. I couldn't get it going because Jay usually packs. You know, I just leave all the things around the suitcase and I watch him do all the packing. Um, it was pretty late in the night and... Uh, I, I was kind of like led to call a pastor in India and I was talking to him and he said, oh, are you coming down? I said, yeah. He said, oh, I'll meet you and Jay soon. I said, no, Jay's not here anymore. And um, then he said, oh, sister, let me pray for you. And then when he finished, he said, the Lord is giving a verse for you. And he gave me, he said, read Isaiah 58:11, And this is what it says. The verse reads... The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. For me, the first few words itself was enough. The Lord will guide you continually. I said, when the Lord will guide me continually, what am I worrying about? I mean, it took so, it took so much time to sink in, but... I began to see how I read this verse so many times, but it really ministered to me that night. I immediately knelt, prayed, and then I even finished packing the suitcase that night. Uh, fast forwarding to August of this year, I was planning to visit with my mom, and the dates were getting pushed out, and I finally left end of August, and I took a week's vacation, and I asked permission for two weeks of working from home in India, and I was given the, uh, you know, they allowed me to do that. So I spent three weeks with her, I come back, and a week later she's hospitalized and um, she passed away with all my siblings around her and the attending doctor praying for her as her, her breath stopped. It was quality time with her, and when I returned, you know, I felt I thank God for this time I had with her. Looking back, I realized how well the Lord had it scripted. Just how much he loved me, cared for me, and protected me. Jay wanted to be buried in India. We, had, we both have plots there, and it happened that way. He met over 200 relatives a few days ago, and he loves being with people. And all the time we had on that New Year's Eve together, the ride to the party and to the church and all the ride back was so memorable to me. And all that he mentioned in the car in the early hours of the New Year helped me in my decision-making post his death. Yes, yes, I miss him. But I am not grieving or sorrowful anymore. And with my mom, the Lord's timing was perfect. And I praise and thank the Lord that I will see them all again one day. I know this is just a temporary separation. The Lord continues to order my steps in all areas of my life. 
and cares for me more than I deserve. I thank Pastor Rick and Brian for all their support and allowing me to share my story. Let me close by reading the chorus from a song that blessed me. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Paulette Toes. Uh, my husband Alan and I and our two boys have been a part of Mount Hope for six years now. Um, we're very blessed to call this, this church home and just to hear the stories of our brothers and sisters in Christ is amazing. Um, so if I can just invite the ushers to come up, we'll receive the, the benevolence offering. Um, just a reminder, this offering goes towards the Benevolence Fund, um, and this is the only time during the year that we take up this offering, um, but we have amazing opportunity throughout the year to be able to bless uh, those in our community as well as different ones within the church. Um, Pastor Brian was just sharing a bit of that with me, and we had opportunity this morning um, just to uh, bless a young man in the hospital this morning, um, something as simple as underwear and socks. Um, you know, people need all kinds of things. So um, a portion of the offering that we're going to take today is going to go to help the Lord Baron um, fire victims, those that are still um, without a home and displaced. So they will take care of doing that. Um, the scripture that I'm going to read this afternoon, I was going to say evening, I was going to say the morning, um, is out of Matthew 25. Um, we're going to read verses 34 to 45. And this is just this story where... Um, Jesus is gathering all the nations to his throne, and he's going to separate them like the sheep and the goats. Um, so verse 34, or, sorry, verse 35. I can't see with my glasses on. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. I just wanted to share a little bit of my heart. The Benevolence Fund um, is very dear to me. Uh, there was a time in my early, early to mid-20s before I was married that I was actually homeless. Um, just for a short time. I lived up in the Yukon, so just imagine Alaska. I lived up there. Um, I don't know if you remember the Atco trailer that live, uh, was parked out in the, in the yard here for the better part of three years. I lived in one of those um, for a time. Very cold in the wintertime. It gets very cold up in the Yukon, so uh, minus 50 to below Celsius, living in a little metal box, um, plus 50 degrees Celsius, living in a hot metal box. Um, it was a difficult time. I didn't know when I would get my next meal, um, but my church up in the Yukon blessed me. They uh, gave me food. They gave me furniture. Um, they clothed me when I needed it. They fed me when I needed it. They visited me when I needed to be visited. And then I moved um, to where I eventually met Alan, uh, fell in love, had some children, moved to Boston, you know the story. But even when I was there, I was homeless there as well. Um, so the second church that was able to just bless me. I had no home um, if it wasn't for the people in my church providing a place for me to sleep at night, uh, providing me food, 
providing me uh, clothing again. And when I finally was able to get a job and find an apartment, they brought over furniture, they brought over food, they brought over dishes, they brought over clothing. Um, so this is a very, very dear thing to my heart. So I just want to encourage you as you consider um, giving today to this fund. It is, uh, it is a special opportunity that the Lord has presented before us. So let's pray. God, I am just so thankful that never once did I walk alone. And never once, God, did you leave me. You have always been there with me. And Lord, I know that you walk with each and every one of your children. I know that you are with those in our community that are suffering, um, those within our church, God. And I know that you have blessed me um, in the past 20 years, Lord. And I am so thankful that you have given us opportunity to, um, to give to those around us. And so, Lord, as we um, receive this offering, I do ask your blessing upon it. God, that you would multiply it, that you would cause it to grow. Father, I pray that you would just um, enable Pastor Brian and Pastor Rick and the rest of the committee to just bless those around us and those that need it. Father God, um, I thank you for this and just commit it all into your hands. Amen. This year, uh, I had the opportunity to be a part of a very special wedding and Bernie and Jenny Driscoll, uh, Bernie and Elaine's son, uh, Bernie got married down in the Cape. And we were part of that ceremony. And one thing that I'll never forget was the rehearsal dinner. Because at the rehearsal dinner, it was a, it was a pretty big party. Jenny stood up. And Jenny's been a part of this church now for a little bit over a year, maybe two. And she stood up and she shared her testimony with everyone at the rehearsal dinner. And it was such a powerful story. Uh, and Jenny's a part of our community group, and she shared that story again with the community group, and we thought, man, we have to let her share that story with everybody here. So would you welcome Jenny Driscoll as she comes to share her story? <laughs> Jenny, why don't you tell us? Tell us um, a little bit of your story. Tell us where you were a few years ago and where you are now and kind of the process of, of what's happened to you in the last few years? Uh, it's, a big, it's a big question. Hi, first off, my name is Jenny Newly Driscoll, <laughs> and uh, my husband's over here, and my mother-in-law and my father is here to support me, and um, I probably wouldn't be able to share this story if it wasn't for that guy right there. And um, my story that brought me here and to the Lord is um, it's full of people. You know, God for me has worked through people. And um, I have this heartbeat that's going on right now, and it's not like these nerves. It's like, tell your story. And my story goes like this. I was a young girl, and I, and I, and I suffered um, some child abuse. And um, I was sitting in the halls, much like this, of a beautiful parochial Catholic school, and God spoke to me. God spoke to me and God said, you need to tell your parents. And I was petrified and full of fear. And um, it was in the halls of, of a place like this, an auditorium like this, where um, I was safe and I was going to be okay. And uh, it didn't feel that way right then, obviously. I went home and I was like petrified to, to embrace the opportunity to share that with my parents. And, um, and I did. And and it wasn't easy. And there's no book that says, what do you do when your child is abused? And there's nothing that anybody can do. And my parents, my father, did everything he knew how to do. And um, it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough, because I was, I was a damaged young girl. And, um, and today, I am so grateful for that damaged young girl. Today, that damaged young girl is the woman that's sitting before you, and I'm not a victim anymore. I'm not a victim of abuse. I am a child of God, and I am loved, and that's just a part of my story. So if you're sitting in this hall, in this church, in God's house, and you're afraid to share something that has gone on in your world, don't. Don't be afraid, because that opportunity... Uh, fast forward a little bit, you know, um, my story goes like this, is I was, I was hurt, 
I didn't know how to handle that hurt. I obviously hadn't maturated in my, in my relationship with God or with others. And my family tried to um, do the best that they could. Again, there's no, there's no recipe for it. And uh, I acted out. I acted out in a manner in which um, I, I think some kids do, you know. And, and for me, that was um, alcohol and drugs. And so how I would really introduce myself if I was sitting in front of a, an audience to tell my story was that my name is Jenny and I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. And uh, that's profound for me because it was the halls of Alcoholics Anonymous that, um, that brought me to God. It was people that allowed me, they gave me a glimmer of hope, hope that I was going to be okay. And um, I don't know, I think that was that same mirrored hope that I was given when I was that little girl sitting in that St. Paul's Auditorium. And today I can see the correlation. Today I know that God then was carrying me to a place where I could, again, share something with people and let them love me to a place where I was going to be okay. And um, today I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a victim of abuse. I'm a survivor. And I've, I've healed, and I, I continue to do work on that. And, um, and the only reason I knew and I, when I was asked to do this why I would share this in here is because, um, because it was an a, 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 a entity like this that gave me the ability to be able to do that. And so I felt safe, and that if there is anybody here, I hope you feel safe in this place that if there's ever a time that you need to share something, that there's people that love you and, and they'll listen. And so um, that's, that, that's basically what brought me to God, is, uh, is the halls of outside. I've always had God in my life. I shouldn't say that. I was, I've always had God in my life. I, I ran astray. I ran astray, and I lost touch with that portion of my, of my life. But um, it was through AA that people reminded me that I was loved, and they afforded me the opportunity just to stay sober for one more day. And every single day that I stayed sober, I became happy. And I became the woman that I believe God intended me to be. Yeah, so that's my story right there. So, Jenny, thinking about those years that you were caught up in addiction and now being on, I mean, it's an ongoing battle, but you're on, God has brought you out of that in, in many ways. What would you say to anyone who's here or anyone who um, is close to someone who's battling addiction? Um, I guess I would say um, continue to love. I was loved through my, I was loved through my addiction. I was just always loved. My parents never gave up on me. And because they never gave up on me, and, and I know it can be trying, and I know that addiction is deep and um, I would also highly suggest, you know, um, if there needs to be a separation and, and, you know, there, it goes deeper than what I probably understand. But for me, for my place, um, there's always hope. And if, if you have hope and you can get yourself to a place where people can help you, you never have to be alone again. And that's what I knew when I walked into the halls of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's what I know when I walk in here. I'm never alone again. I can just give up. I can give it up and let somebody else take over. And that's what recovery is about. It's not about not picking up a drink or a drug. Like, that is but a symptom that I used to have. I don't think about a drug. Today, it's how am I going to live to be a better person? And if I can't be a better person, what am I not going to resort to doing? And for me, it's picking up alcohol, you know? So um, I don't know. Don't ever give up on yourself. Um, I, I will say, though, that door doesn't always rotate both ways. You know, God doesn't, it's not always that God doesn't give you second chances. That's not it. It's just, you know, the perpetual abuse and whatnot may not lead you back to the opportunity for God to save you again. And I think that's important to, to understand. And, and I know that today. There's, you know, they say something in Alcoholics Anonymous, and they say it's the first drink that got you drunk. And I always be like, what? I don't get that. But what they don't, they don't mean that literally one beer is going to get you drunk. What they literally mean is, and it's anything, whatever your addiction is or whatever your struggle is, as soon as you commence to letting that take over your life, it's, an, it's just a, it's just a, a rolling battle. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be really hard to get back to basics. Mm -hmm. And um, so, 
Let me ask you, as you think about where you are now and your relationship with God, what are you most thankful for? Uh, forgiveness. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm so thankful that, um, that he took a chance on a girl like me and for my family. But um, truly, I almost don't remember that girl. I don't. Um, I do to a place where I'm able to share my story and help others. But, um, you know, I, I have come so far. And I've come so far because I've had people in my life that have showed me the way. And one of the things I shared at that rehearsal is that I've been surrounded by these mentors of women in, the, in this church especially. That I, it's just, it's so clear that there's more for me to do. Mm -hmm. And so, forgiveness. I'm just so thankful that on a daily basis, you know, I can continue to try to, you know, be humble and thank God for everything I have. And when I, you know, trip up and I, and I don't do well, I can commence to say I'm sorry at times. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and try again the next day. Uh, forgiveness, yeah. That's good. Well, uh, you may know, it, and Paul says that in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And this is what God does. When we accept his forgiveness and we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our life, he promises to change us. And Jenny, I appreciate you sharing your story. We're all grateful for you being willing to share your story and praise God for what he's done. Thank you. I'm going to invite our worship team back to the stage. And just a couple of thoughts as we get ready to close tonight. You know, tomorrow, tomorrow you're probably going to sit around the table and if you can get everyone to stop talking for just a minute, someone is probably going to suggest that you go around the table and say what you're thankful for this year. And when you say, let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for this year, some of the people around the table will smile because they love that. And some of the people around the table will roll their eyes because they hate that. I would roll my eyes. But you'll go around the table and you'll say family and health and provision and this meal. But I want us to just think for just a second about whether or not that's the question we need to be answering tomorrow sitting at our tables. Last Christmas, my wife got me exactly what I asked for. The gift she knew I would love. She got me private golf lessons. And that's exactly what I wanted. Now the question before me, as I'm very thankful for the gift that she's given me, is am I more thankful for the golf lessons or am I more thankful to the wife who loves me enough to get me exactly what I wanted? Which should I be more thankful for? Now I took the golf lessons and I still stink at golf. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that that guy just stole our money. <laughs> but it's a no-brainer, right? I should be far more thankful for the, for the person who loves me and would be willing to give me a good gift. The Bible says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father in heaven. And so everything that we would normally say around the table on Thanksgiving, the things that we're thankful for, health, family, uh, money, provision, whatever it is that we're thankful for this year, is given to us by a God who loves us enough to give us exactly what it is that we need. I looked in the Bible, and I can't for the life of me find a place in the Bible where people just spout off a list of things they're thankful for without mentioning the God who gave them to them. There's not a place in Scripture where people list all that they're grateful for and they fail to mention the God who gave them those gifts. So I want to encourage us tomorrow, as we sit around our tables and as we think about this day, not to ask what are we thankful for this year, but who are we thankful to and why? And as you go around the circle to take that time, even if no one else around the circle does it, 
Maybe they're the only one that will answer the question this way. But to thank our God, who is good and gives us everything, and thank him for his greatness. There's a book in the Bible, Phil, it's a collection of songs and poems called the Book of Psalms, and, and you may be familiar with it. And there's one of those psalms, Psalm 103, that I just wanted us to listen to tonight. Because in that psalm, I think David captures exactly what our heart should feel about our God when we come into a day like Thanksgiving. And so Tina is going to read those verses for us, and I want us to just sit and listen. And then when she's done, let's stand and we're going to close in a song of thanksgiving together. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and with mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and steadfast in abounding love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Far as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul.